Welcome back to the Quick Pit Podcast. I'm your host, Ethan. No Connor again today, just me. Connor's on vacation. He's going to be on vacation for a while, so um, I'll be the only one recording the podcast for the next couple of episodes. I'd also like to apologize for the lack of episodes for the last few weeks. We'll catch up on some of those races we missed. Um, Connor and I thought we could pull off some podcasts, and then it didn't work, and then I wasn't able to figure it out then, get it to work then. Anyway, we'll do better next time on getting more episodes out. So, there have been three, well, technically four races run since we last recorded. The race at Indianapolis Motor Speedway, the race at Kentucky, the All-Star Race at Bristol, and the race at Texas. So we'll go over the winners of the first three races and then we'll go dive more in depth into the Texas race this past weekend. Then we will preview Kansas in the second segment and in the third segment I will discuss the Quinn Half incident, what Brad Kozlowski said, and what some other drivers have been saying in my opinion as to how we can fix that problem. So let's get right into it. So, starting off, Indianapolis, Kevin Harvick wins. Um, his fourth win of the season, second straight Brickyard win. Matt Kenseth finishes second. Denny Hamlin crashes from the lead with a blown tire, and he was pretty upset about that after the race. So, Harvick and Hamlin at that point were tied with four wins each on the season. Then we go to Kentucky, and Cole Custer, the rookie, pulls off an amazing move on the last restart of the race, taking the leaders four wide to win his first career cup start or cup race, punches his ticket into the playoffs and into the All-Star race. Speaking of the All-Star race, Chase Elliott beats Kyle Busch at Bristol, the first race at Bristol, for the all-star race ever wins a million dollars and um, punches his ticket into all the rest of the all-star races of his career which that Bristol race was honestly not incredibly interesting there weren't many incidents there wasn't much of the beating and banging that was expected bit of a disappointment for an all-star race at Bristol Side note, I don't really understand why they put stages in that thing since there is no incentive. There is no incentive to win the stages. Like, by winning one of the three stages, they didn't even, like, get to be, like, in the front row on the start of the final stage or whatever. It's just a stage. And there are no points related in the All-Star Race, so I didn't really understand why they put that in, I think they should remove that. I thought the choose cone was pretty cool. I liked how that worked. I hope they implement it in the future. The numbers on the cars looked not terribly weird, but I didn't really like it. I think they shouldn't go there. (laughs) I think they should avoid that in the future. And um, the underglow lighting just looked kind of weird since it was only on the back of the car. It wasn't the full car. And since the track was lit up, there wasn't really, it didn't really like stand out against the track. It was just kind of there. It wasn't terrible, but I mean, also, I don't think they should do that in the future. So 
then we'll move on to Texas. We'll run that down 10 to 1. The O'Reilly Auto Parts 500 happened this past Sunday, the 19th. And we'll run that down 10 to 1 in 10th place. The 10 car, Eric Almarola, 7th straight top 10. He started from the pole. Really good run for him. He's uh, climbed his way into playoff contention, and I think he'll win one of these days here. Ninth place, Brad Kozlowski. Good run for him. Led a couple of laps. Just pretty average day. Got a top 10. Keeps clicking those off. Continues on his season. Kurt Busch next up finishes 8th. Another how-did-he-get-there finish for Kurt Busch. He really wasn't in the top 10 all day, but he got up there. And another very solid finish. Ryan Blaney finished 7th. Leads 150 laps. Looks to be running away with it until the Quinn Half incident leads him a lap down due to green flag. Pit stops. He worked his way back up to 7th. But still, I'm sure he's very frustrated with how that turned out due to how well he did and how well how he finished. Eric Jones in the 20 car finishes 6th. Good run for him. He's just outside of the playoff bubble, so he needs to pick it up if he wants to make the playoffs. And uh, top 10 certainly don't hurt there. Kevin Harvick with yet another top 5 finish. I don't know how many that is in a row, but it's at least 5. Um, led 40 laps. Did Had a pretty good run. You didn't really hear his name too much throughout the race. He just was... Consistently there, I guess. Kyle Busch finishes fourth, involved in a big incident, but battles back. I'm still really surprised he didn't wreck the splitter when he went through the grass on that crash. But um, good run for him. Still probably very frustrating that he is not in, hasn't won a race yet, especially since he led some laps. He was up front all day, and especially considering who he lost to. We'll get to that in a minute. But um, still good run for him, although he, because of who won, we'll get to him in a minute too. He falls another place further down in the playoff standings. We'll go over those soon as well. In third place, Joey Logano, 22 car. Leads 22 laps. Hmm, that's interesting. Um, and... Uh, Good run for him. I'm still really surprised he didn't catch second or first. And, uh, yeah, good run for him. All the Penske cars in the top ten. So another good run. In second place, Tyler Reddick, the eighth car. He and his teammate, Austin Dillon, who uh, won the race. Yes, RCR, their first 1-2 finished since 2011 with Jeff Burton and Clint Boyer. That's that's crazy. Um, they took a gamble on pit road after the caution came out for the Quinn Half incident. Um, and Reddick took no tires. Dylan took two. Everyone else took four. They were on the front row for that restart with about 25 to go. And um, they were able to hold... hold all the top teams off behind them, even though they were on worse tires and 
technically worse equipment. It was really impressive. Great race for Dylan. Dylan punches his ticket into the playoffs. He seems to have a skill at winning the big races. First he wins the Coke 600, then at Daytona, and now this. So Dylan into the playoffs. Reddick is in 18th place, only 14 points out of the playoffs as well. So he's getting close there. It's a great run for them. And I was really surprised by the poise that Reddick showed by not... He, he was talking about a, when the TV broadcast tapped into his radio, basically saying that no matter what happens, he wants one of the RCR cars to win. Basically, that he wasn't going... He was going to go for the win, but he wasn't going to do anything stupid that would make them finish, say, second and third, or that they would crash. He would make sure that if he couldn't win... Like, normally he wouldn't do anything stupid or wild or, like, a, a high-risk um, chance at passing Dylan if it had a possibility of preventing either RCR car from winning the race. So, kind of helped his teammates, held off the cars behind him, and um, got his teammate a win and got himself a top five. It's a great run for him. Continues to impress, even though Custer won last week, I think Reddick has been the most impressive um, rookie so far this year. So, take a look at the playoffs standings here. If I can find them, yes. So, Kevin Harvick leads the playoffs standings. Over Denny Hamlin, both of them have four wins. And Brad Kozlowski and Joey Logano, both with two wins in third and fourth. Ryan Blaney in fifth. Chase Elliott in sixth. Martin Truex, seventh. Alex Bowman, eighth. Austin Dillon, ninth. And Cole Custer, tenth. All those from Blaney to Custer all have one win. And then the six drivers who do not have a win who are currently in the playoffs... Eric Amarola in 11th, Kurt Busch in 12th, only one point behind Amarola. Kyle Busch in 13th, Kyle Busch is only 93 points above the cut line. That's basically two races in points, they're actually really three. Um, DiBenedetto, Matt DiBenedetto in 14th, Clint Boyer in 15th, Jimmy Johnson in 16th. Jimmy Johnson, eight points. No, pardon, two points ahead of his teammate William Byron. Two points above the cut line. He had another rough go. I think he's jinxed at this point. I don't know what needs to happen for him to get better results. Just everything goes wrong for Jimmy. Tyler Reddick is 12 points, no, 14 points out. Eric Jones is 24 points out. And Bubba Wallace is just... Um, should have calculated this before. 66 points out. So, and then Chris Busher is in 20th, who is 76 points out. So, there are a lot of drivers who are really close to being in this. And I really think that multiple drivers outside of the cutoff line, outside of the playoffs right now, are going to win. Probably, I mean, Tyler Reddick has been really fast. I mean... Byron, I mean, that's a top-tier car he could win, and, I mean, a lot of stuff can happen here. So, I don't think Kyle Busch is going to miss the playoffs, but it's going to be close.
It is going to be close. So, coming up next, we will preview the Thursday night race at Kansas. Can't wait. Make sure to like and subscribe to the Quick Pit Podcast. Welcome back to the Quick Pit Podcast. I'm your host, Ethan O'Connor. Today, just me here recording today's episode. Last segment, we recapped Texas and the couple races that I missed before then as well. And now we will move on to previewing the Thursday night race at Kansas Speedway. Yes, another midweek race. Nothing on Sunday. It's kind of a weird scheduling thing, so it's going to be weird not having a race on Sunday. But... The Kansas race, 7.30 on Thursday on NBCSN. We're going to go over some uh, winners from the past, some guys to look forward to uh, seeing if they might be successful this upcoming race. So Kansas Speedway, another mile and a half, the third straight mile and a half track. And the last two races have been pretty boring, except for the last like 30 laps. So maybe we'll get another good finish here. Who knows? We shall see. So some drivers who have been good in the past at Kansas. Brad Kozlowski has two wins there. His most recent one was last year's spring race. Denny Hamlin has two wins here as well. Yeah, two wins here. And he is the most recent winner, the defending race winner. Jimmy Johnson has three wins here in his career. His most recent one came in 2015, back when he wasn't jinxed. Kevin Harvick also has three wins. Most recent one came in 2018. And, of course, Joey Logano has two wins there. He is famous for an incident with Matt Kenseth there as well in 2015. That should be interesting to watch. Here, Matt Kenseth, two career wins as well. Martin Truex Jr., two career wins. Martin Truex Jr. swept in 2017. That'll be interesting to see. And Chase Elliott has a win. Ryan Newman has a win. And Kyle Busch has a win. All of them with one win. So those are all the active drivers who have won at the track. Now, my prediction, I think... Penske cars have been really good recently. I think that they, I um, think that they finally break through with another win. I'm gonna call it. It's gonna be Joey Logano, Joey Logano for the win. Now, I would love to see a Hendrick car win. However, I, it seems that they're just going through a rough patch of the season, even at what is presumably their best tracks, the intermediate mile-and-a-half tracks. However, I really don't want to jinx Jimmy Johnson by predicting him, so I'm not going to predict him, but wink, wink. (laughs) So, um, we'll see how that goes. Kevin Harvick, Denny Hamlin both have multiple wins here. They've won there in the past, and so, of course, given how well they've done this season, I would not be surprised to see either of them in victory lane. Now... Last two races have had a surprise winner, so maybe if there's another surprise winner, I would take Matt Kenseth. Matt Kenseth has not been very impressive so far since coming back to replace Kyle Larson this year, but 
I mean, the Ganassi cars are fast. He's won there before. And I don't know. I feel like he's due to break through again here. I know he finished second at Indy, but he hasn't run well the last couple weeks either. So, short segment. But um, that's really all I have to say for Kansas. Coming up next, we will go into deep, deep conversation about the Quinn Half incident and how that can be fixed in NASCAR coming up next on the Quick Pit Podcast. Welcome back to the Quick Pit Podcast. I'm your host, Ethan. No co-host Connor here this week. I don't know what episode he'll get back, but um, I'll keep you updated on that. He seems to schedule all his vacations in one block, like a month of vacations. So that means there's not much time to record. So (laughs) we are going to discuss the Quinn Houth incident and... Some of the stuff Brad Keselowski said, and my idea, at least an idea I've had as to how you can fix this problem and also fix another problem, too, that I think there is in NASCAR. So, first off, the incident, what happened Sunday, with about 30 laps to go in the middle of green flag pit stops where a lot of good cars are a lap down because not everyone has come in and pit yet. Quinn Howe, one of the back markers driving for Starcom Racing, the double zero car, made a boneheaded decision to try and go to pit road and somehow did not see two cars in his way coming down. So he hits the car, spins up to the wall, smacks hard into it, damages the two cars he hit, especially Matt DiBenedetto's car, and um, ends his day, brings out a caution, leaves... The favorite in the race, Ryan Blaney, a lap down along with a couple of other very fast cars, which then allows Austin Dillon and Tyler Reddick to take advantage of the situation. They make an interesting pit strategy call. They get up to the front, and Austin Dillon manages to win by holding everyone else back for the remaining 25 laps or so. Now, this has tremendous playoff implications because it means another driver from outside the top 16 in points is now in the playoffs. And who knows how else, what other ripple effects it may cause. I mean, this could ultimately, if Jimmy Johnson misses the playoffs by one position, ultimately be, you could trace it back to this. Now, of course, there'd be lots of other reasons for Jimmy, including his catching COVID, his terrible luck so far this year, and all that. But still, I mean, this could be... What kicks Jimmy Johnson out? What kicks William Byron out of the playoffs, inevitably, at some point? So it could have major implications and major ripple effects throughout the rest of the regular season in deciding who makes the playoffs and who doesn't. Now, Brad Kozlowski spoke out after the race, saying basically that these guys shouldn't be on the track. That for a guy, now Quinn Howe has made a, like 15 Arca starts and 10 Xfinity starts before this year. He started about 16, 17 races last year with Starcom, and now he's driving full-time for them. And so he has almost no experience. He clearly 
had almost no idea what he was doing trying to pit and causing that crash. And so, I mean, Brad Kozlowski poses a question, this basically saying this has major playoff implications. And why is this guy on the track? And he proposed a fix for the for the future, basically saying there's a ladder system where NASCAR needs to be more strict as to who they let drive. Because right now the only the only uh, requirement is that to race in the Cup Series is that you're 18 years and older. That's all you have to do. I mean, like, if I were 18, I've never raced before. All I've done is drive go-karts. Like, say I'm 18, right? I've just gotten out of high school. And I have a ton of money. I could go to one of these small teams, right? Say, I'll pay you a couple million dollars if you let me drive this week. And they'll let me do it. They'd probably let me do it because they'd be getting a bunch of money. They don't really care. It's not like they're competitive anyway. So the guy who I'd be replacing, it's not like they would lose any uh, balance, any um, points or whatever. It's like they benefit from the decision, even if I'm a terrible driver. So in that aspect, it's where the system is broken. And so Brad Kozlowski proposes a ladder system where you need to have success in the lower series before you can drive in the cups at least full time because if 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 you had to do well in the series just to drive in the cup series then you couldn't have things like where James Davison came in a couple weeks ago at Pocono ran a couple races stuff stuff like that but i've had an idea that i propose would be very i think it would work well maybe you don't let me know if you think this is a stupid idea, which it may very well be. So, right now, teams are limited with how many cars they can bring out. Like, Hendrick Motorsports has four cars because that's the limit, right? Four different drivers. So, I propose that they, NASCAR allows teams to go to five. However, that fifth car, no driver can run more than a third of the schedule in it. What does this do? It gives you an opportunity to A, try out rookie drivers. So we'll use Hendrick Motorsports as an example. Say they have another car, like we'll just for the sake of the argument have it be the five car, right? So say you have Noah Gregson, who's Junior Motorsports best driver at this point, right? Say you want to get him some experience in the Cup Series because he's doing pretty well in Xfinity. So you pencil him in at the start of the season for five races, right? And then you're like, hey, Justin Allgaier, we should give him, we should see what we have. Especially because this year, if we're going by this year with this example, then they need someone to replace Jimmy. So they pencil in Allgaier for seven races, right? That's 12 races here. Then you have someone like... Juan Pablo Montoya, who's like, I want to run in the Brickyard, or someone who's like a, an IndyCar driver, who's like, I want to run the Daytona 500, right? One of the big prestigious races. You can pencil them in, too, and you can have these better, more competitive drivers in the seat. Do you see where I'm going with this? So if you have, say, each of the top four teams 
right now were to add another car, right? And under this model, they would do this with a combination of trying out rookies and having drivers from other sports getting a chance or other racing leagues getting a chance to check out NASCAR, see what it's like, get some experience. Then instead of having a bunch of nobodies who have probably not even won a truck race or an ARCA race, filling in all these backmarker teams, you have decent drivers who have a reason to be there with good equipment. So even though they might not run up the front and win races, you have much more competitive talent and you don't have guys making bonehead decisions like Quinn House did. You see where I'm going with this? Now granted, there will be a lot of uh, problems with this that I've already seen, like for example, like the lower teams like Spire and Starcom would not like this because it means that they'd get kicked off the track or they probably would, right? And that brings me to my second point. Get rid of the charter system. Get rid of the, the charter. The charter system, if you don't know what that is, basically guarantees that every car... If you have a charter, it means you will always be in the race. So, like, Kyle Busch's team has a charter. They don't have to worry about him not qualifying. Right? So, all they have to worry about is where he qualifies. He's already locked into the field when he goes out for qualification. All he's doing is seeing where he starts in the race. Now, of course, I know with the COVID pandemic that they're not qualifying right now, but in the future, I think they should just go back to the old, to the old system where the 40 fastest cards at qualifying get in. And of course, I know that sometimes there's crashes in qualifying and that you wouldn't want someone like Kyle Busch or Kevin Harvick if he were to somehow mess up and crash. You wouldn't want them to miss the race. So you give teams or drivers with good credentials, like, a, like I don't know how you decide this, maybe drivers who have a win in their past, who finished a certain rank in the standings last year or whatever, you give them like five like do-overs, right? Where they start at the back, they're in the field. So instead of having a charter for the whole season, they have a couple of like basically get out of jail free cards, right? So, I mean, say it's five. I mean, if you use all those up, why are you even in the field if you're crashing five times in qualifying out of a 36 race season? I mean, that should be a sign that maybe you don't belong there. Right, so this would, going back to my previous example, this would help put more competitive talent on the field, or on the track, rather, and provide opportunities for uh, international drivers or rookies to get their feet wet in the sport. Right, so going back to the other part with adding a car, I ran the math. Right now there are about 10, 10, 12 teams that you would consider backmarker teams, right? Like Spire, Rick Ware, BJ McLeod, Starcom, etc. So by doing that, I found that you would have approximately 33, 32 cars or car teams in the race. 
who are with one of the, like, what you would consider the better, stronger. Like, the teams that are actually half-decent, right? Like, even counting teams like Levine Family or uh, GoFast, which is Corey LaJoy, because I really think Corey LaJoy is pretty good for his equipment. Or, like, Bubba Wallace and Richard Petty or DiBenedetto and Wood Brothers. All those teams count in, too. So instead of having... 10, 12 back markers, you have, say, 5 or 6, and if you're doing the qualifying model, then you're getting the 5 or 6 fastest of these small market teams, right? So, I think, now, of course, since nobody listens to this podcast, which you can change by sharing and promoting it on social media, tell your friends, etc., sorry, um... I know that this idea probably won't reach anyone in NASCAR, but I think it would be... Now, of course, I surely haven't thought through all the logistics of this, but that's my opinion. I think that some of the backmarker teams, I think it should be harder to get permission to race in the Cup Series. They have to make sure that the drivers are decent enough at least to not to know not to try and cross two lanes of traffic to try and pit. And I think that this could possibly work. So, that will wrap up today's podcast. Thank you for listening to the Quick Pit Podcast. This is episode number five, I believe. No, I actually, I think it's six. I'll have to check that. I should know that. <laughs> um, we'll catch you next time. Hopefully Connor is back. If not, then it'll just be me again. Um, remember to like, subscribe, and share. And I'll see you next time on the Quick Pit Podcast. Yeah.